Good evening, everybody. This is Daniel Furpio of the Inscriber Digital Magazine. And it happened again. It happened again. If you're a wrestling fan, this day has left a bitter taste in your mouth. And we're going to try to discuss these things because unfortunately... This is coming threes. And this is coming over the past week. But obviously, the big news, the news that has obviously blown up Twitter, rightfully so, has been WWE, mere hours after announcing in a quarterly earnings call, once again, that they made a whole shitload of money that they're more profitable than ever have conducted another series of mass releases. Some of the names include Keith Lee, Mia Yim, Amber Moon, Frankie Monet, Karrion Cross, Scarlet Bordeaux, And Nia Jax, among others. Some want to let go, like Grand League and Lindsay Dorado. They wanted to go for the releases and they asked for it. They got it this time around. But to put it bluntly, and this is going to be the part of short and sweet, this move is indefensible was indefensible last year in April when the pandemic started and they did the first set of these mass releases it's indefensible now mere hours they didn't even wait for a night mere hours after telling investors hey we made a whole shitload of money you do these releases and you have the audacity to try to say that it's because of budget cuts delve into that little bullshit in a minute but obviously like I said it's never a good day when you hear this type of news it's never a situation where you feel good hearing names even if the names wanted to be let go it's bad all around and some of the names have issued the some of the names surprise. Some of the names have been WWE's on the minds of the making. And some of the names were just utterly, utterly callous. I'll give you the main example of the one of the callous ones. One of the releases was B Fab of Hit Row. The female member of Hit Row. Group of NXT got popular. Popular enough that within months of forming, like what, three or four months, they're elevated to SmackDown. BFAB literally last week signed a three year deal with WWE. Think about this. Last week, BFAB was already thinking in her head, I'm going to be in WWE for three years. I'm going to be in the top show. I'm going to be secure for three years. And then a week later, 
you get released, you get cut. Now, cutting, unfortunately in this sense, has to be, <clears throat> whether it's on the main roster, it is 90 days, whether it's in it is 30 days. This obviously has some clerical errors where some main roster talent never got transitioned over to from the NXT contracts as far as time releases. So they wound up with 30-day releases and that's how you got situations like Malachi Black showing up in AEW when he did. But it's bad all around. Nobody can, nobody in their right mind will say anything nice about this. Because it, it's indefensible. It is utterly and completely indefensible. And that's just unfortunately one aspect of it. Information be a bad week. Sign a three year deal. You get cut. And then when you have a situation like Keith Lee, who has the size of somebody that you would think. WWE would invest had good moments with other people WWE did have potential to do a lot of things was an NFC champion but obviously unfortunately he hasn't seen a lot of action in 2021 just permanently health he did have COVID and they did keep him on the shelf for health reasons for a good while, for some months. And he himself thought that, hey, there's a good chance I'm not going to go back into the ring. So I better start thinking about new things. It wouldn't surprise if he started doing to do that now. And obviously, Mia Yim, his fiance, never really got a fair shot in the main roster. She's one of the people that I'm really surprised never held the NXT Women's Championship. But they moved her up. It's part of retribution, that bullshit. And she was reckoning, or yeah, reckoning. And she didn't go into Miranda after that. Obviously, she was off around the same time as Keith Lee. Never, really, never really got a proper introduction to the main roster. And now she's cut. Main roster contracts with 90 days. Ember Moon was hit by injuries. She never, fortunately, really got going on the main roster, even though she had a really good amount of time to move down to NXT. They're pretty good when it came to teaming up with someone like Shotzi Blackheart, and then you break her up on your team with Shotzi Blackheart. And now, it looks like you release that. She's going to be in one of the iffy areas. She's going to be in the spot where is it going to be 30 days or is it going to be 90 days from her no, not complete loss? Nobody knows. But. The most surprising one, unfortunately, out of all these, 
But before before I talk now, when the carrying cross, he unfortunately is one of the ones that WWE themselves fucked up. They brought him up, still wants still to be NXT. They never really had a plan for him. And I don't know if it was a situation where they were trying to keep Scarlett away from Vince and because knowing how Vince is with blondes, attractive blondes at that, and Scarlett Bordeaux is obviously a very attractive blonde woman. But when you have that going and then you just do such a lousy job booking carrying across. He probably is going to go down as the worst NXT call-up in this era. But uh, let me go back to the surprising one. The surprising one is... The most surprising one is Nijax. Because... Her family lineage, her closeness to The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, obviously... You would think, you thought for a while she was tough on this flight. A lot of instances where she has not been a safe worker. She's gonna be famous, probably the most famous memory night. Jax is probably gonna go down as the woman who gave Becky Lynch a concussion and a broken nose. And survived for this long, and her last major thing, major match, was. A match with Charlotte that halfway turned into a semi-shoot. She's surprising because not only, like I said, the familial ties, but she's a WWE homegrown talent. It's similar to, I forgot who mentioned this, but it's similar to when they did this, the last batch of releases, Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman, homegrown WWE product. Signed a big deal. Seemed like a consummate WWE guy. Nijax, consummate WWE woman. You would figure they would probably stay their entire careers in WWE. And they're not. Obviously now they're not. But like this, this entire move, fortunately, is indefensible. And it's a byproduct of a lot of things. It's a byproduct of people that were yes men to Vince in previous years, like in Bruce Pritchard and John Laurinaitis, finding themselves back in power, getting back in his ear. And one of the patterns that has come out this year when it comes to releases. It has been people that have had the backing of Triple H and the old NXT. That they did so well in the old NXT, but suddenly the new shift in direction when it comes to NXT. Suddenly those things working right now you're releasing people when you don't need to. Granted, you do this after you hoard a whole shitload of talent. And now you just can go. In one of the worst ways possible. So. 
that's that front. But like I said, that's the first major part of like the big the three notions that's hit wrestling within the last week. That it's not a good look. The second one, obviously, is what's happening with Ring of Honor. Because one of the things that you would probably say when it comes to reasons like this, especially a good amount of the women, was, you know, they could probably turn up a Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor could use them. And they'll probably work out fairly well. Unfortunately, uh, last week... Ring of Honor put out a statement saying first that they were going to take a break from wrestling operations within the first three months of 2022 and they would come back in April and would come with a new formula, new fan-friendly formula. And the next day, the... None, I don't think in the next day, within hours of that statement coming out, you have a statement that w, that Ring of Honor is essentially releasing everybody. Wrestlers, broadcasters, interviewers, everybody. And apparently the way it's working is if you had a contract that was running through 2021, it would obviously end in January 2022. And if you had any contract that was beyond 2021, it would end March 31st of 2022. And the plan, it seems, for Ring of Honor is that it looks like they're going to be the East Coast version of PWG, which is... Well, they'll stage shows. They'll have the talent. They'll go in, but they won't be contracted. And it's worked with PWG. Obviously, the Battle of Los Angeles is a very popular thing. But it does take away a lot from what Ring of Honor was. In the 20 years that Ring of Honor has existed... It has been the breeding ground. It is, I call it the spiritual successor of ECW. Not so much in the carnage, like in the extreme stuff, but in what it represented. It was this third avenue. And you could see great technical wrestling. You had a lot of talent come in and then do bigger and better things. Look at the list of <laughs> Ring of Honor champions, particularly early ones to the mid ones. And there's a lot of names that are stars in WWE that are stars in AEW now that have held the title of, of Ring of Honor champion. That title's not going to mean that much anymore because of that. You lose a lot of the history, and unfortunately, because they're going by this model, you now have one less promotion that you can work with. Where you can say you have a steady gig. You have a steady job. And. Obviously with Ring of Honor. There's a lot of factors. Sinclair Broadcasting. Who owns it. Never really invested. In Ring of Honor. The way you would think you would invest in a promotion. A wrestling promotion that. Probably at this time. Was still the third. 
largest promotion in the country. Instead of it, it looks like they just used it as a way to fill fill airtime for their for their batch of stations. Never really fully invested in it. That's one thing that's happened. Obviously, and obviously, the pandemic also hit. Now, Ring of Honor. If we want, like I said, as much as we, as much as I've shit on WWE in these last few minutes for their bullshit. Ring of Honor has been the most responsible company in the pandemic. They shut down for a while. They never stopped paying their wrestlers. They honored the contracts. Like I said, at least in this country, in this country, they're the most responsible. We could talk about New Japan, All Japan, how they handle things in Japan there, because they handled it pretty well too. But when it came to the US, they were the ones that shut down honored the contracts and when they come back they took every precaution quarantining their talent making sure that they got tested going so far as even changing the canvas after every match so that falls into one of the things that unfortunately wound up hurting them financially because obviously not having shows, you don't bring in revenue. And you don't bring revenue, that's less money in the safe, even when you're doing the right thing to honor in the contracts. Now, unfortunately, it also plays into the account that Ring of Honor never, ever really recovered from the formation of AEW because we have to remember that a lot of the talent that they had when they did have the working relationship in New Japan was from New Japan, part of Bullet Club and obviously when a good amount of those people wound up making AEW right around the time where Ring of Honor New Japan were trying to say hey we're here, we're gonna really challenged WWE in Madison Square Garden they Ring of Honor never really recovered from that remember they did this before they were going to have their, their super show at Madison Square Garden the last time WrestleMania I think it was WrestleMania 35 when the WWE was in the New York area and they did that afterwards, and unfortunately, while the New Japan part of the show was good, the Ring of Honor part of the show was bad, and they never really recovered from it. Losing that ultimately lost them a lot of clout, and they did fade a little bit as AW rose. And like I said, that's now that's one less major American promotion that you can rely on that workers can rely on to go try to get a deal make sure that they actually can have steady work that's like I said that's the second fork of bad news let's go into the third fork of bad news and it's not like such major bad news but it is an observation that in the two months that 
AEW has been able to sign CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. You had this gigantic hype. First, like I said, CM Punk coming in on the AEW Rampage, pretty much debuting Rampage. And then, like I said, having Cole and Danielson show up at All Out. You had a lot of momentum with AEW going into it. And you figured, okay, this is going to build the audience. This is going to have a steady. And unfortunately, within those two months, and like I said, the figure came out today, AEW, particularly on Dynamite, Rampage hasn't done really, really good ratings, but Dynamite has pretty much not effectively gone back to what the audience was before the big signings, before this moment, the moment that they were supposed to have. And I say this this is not a this is not a good thing because it shows that the growth that they did have looks to not be sustainable. It not only that, it also shows that if a lot of these release WWE talent, if we try to push them to AEW, what are they gonna do? When the show seems to not be growing for an audience, or if they get somebody, they go off a little bit and then they now regressing to the meat. That's not a good thing. That is not a good thing at all. And yeah, people are gonna fight them saying, saying, oh, the demo's good. Pay attention to the demo where it's a popular program. At the end of the day, the first episode of Dynamite, I think the rating overall was between 1.3 and 1.4 million people. And they've effectively lost half a million viewers in the two years since. They have never been able to get a rating that was close to it. They've gotten a million. Like in this few instances, like I mentioned, but then it's slowly gone down and now back to the high 800,000s. And if it goes, then it's going to go down to the low 800,000s and the high 700,000s, which is, it's not a good, it shows a lack of growth. It shows that the audience that AW was hoping. Particularly Tony Khan, because people have been hyping up his tweet before CM Punk made his debut that this is going to be a new age for AW. This is going to bring in excitement and it was going to bring in laps fans who pay pay attention and say they're going to see this, they're going to see AEW, and this is going to be growing and we're going to strap a rocket into it and now it's looking like, yeah, he had a couple of people watch, a few more people watch, but then started watching less and less, and now you are now back to who you started with. And like I said, the reason I say it's not good is because this is still a company that, for all intents and purposes, 
is still not profitable. And they're going into their third year of existence. And remember, they're not profitable because of one aspect, the video, uh, something that's not even come out yet, the video game. Eight figures in the red. And taking into account these additions, it might soon become nine figures, if not already, nine figures in the red. And there's always that danger where if you just regress back to your means and if you don't really show sustainable growth, the highest likely scenario that's going to come up is that the actual money behind AW, Shahid Khan, Tony Khan's father, might actually come in and say, son, I know I told you you could spend your inheritance, but I'm not going to let you blow your inheritance. I'm cutting this off for your own good. Do make whatever deal you can with TNT, but this is over. There's a very good chance of that happening. Unfortunately, at the rate that AEW is going as far as spending as far as just not growing an audience. And that's a bad factor when it comes to the when it comes to the wrestling audience or the appeal in the US. And granted, everything plays off, whether people like it or not, of WWE what they do. And now thinking about going back to WWE. They may make a move soon because, well, like I mentioned, the old Stooges like in Pritchard and Laurinaitis got back into power and it looks like they're trying to push Triple H out of a major position of power, which is pretty easy when the man had a cardiac event, aka likely a heart attack. You also have this variable of Nick Khan, new executive who is pretty much acting every which way of a corporate hatchet man. But he's doing it in such a way that the moves that you see him make are moves that you would expect somebody to make who is preparing a company for sale. And because the company's preparing for if that's if that's the direction WWE is going to go, because unfortunately, a lot of pretty much every issue in WWE is related upon Vince McMahon. And unfortunately, there's only going to be two ways to end it: either Vince dies while running WWE, or he sells WWE. And the fact. The prospect of selling WWE is gaining more traction as the months go by. And in all honesty, I would not be surprised at this stage if they do sell. If Vince says, if Vince has one of these fits of, I made WWE, you cannot unmake WWE, I'd rather sell this company than 
hand it over. And that'll play a factor into what happens in the rest of the honors because then you know, WWE right now is probably the last company, wrestling company in the US that is run as a family business when it comes into who's holding ownership, who's holding the power even though they're a publicly traded company WWE is part of the last bastion when it comes into that of the whole family that's getting up for generation to generation and you may wind up seeing the end of that pretty soon and when you have a situation in that front you don't know who the buyers well probably the buyers are either going to be Comcast Fox or Disney because they have the money to do it but you're gonna it it becomes from its own entity to another company in another business portfolio who may not get the same attention and we don't know at that point what's gonna go on So, like I said, it's not a good day. It is not a good day at all. It is really sad to see people lose their jobs over a bullshit reason. And then, not only lose their jobs, they have the, they have one less place to go with because of the Ring of Honor situation after 90 days. And then the other own the other major company in the country might be becoming unstable enough where they it may not be a stable place to work. It's just bad all around. It's just bad all around. Now who knows in this who knows by the new year we may have to have this conversation again because it looks like it's become a ritual WWE now earning call say you have money release people (laughs) by claiming you don't have money well that that's it that was me folks that's Dan Carpio of the Inscriber Digital Magazine thank you for listening to the rants and yeah the Hopefully, all the release talent lands safely, whether it's wrestling, acting, some other ways, because honestly, they don't deserve this. Have a good night.